Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Network. I'm Edward Schuler. Joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how are you doing today, man? Well, I am doing as well as I can. Um, only time I'm not well is when I'm thinking about the Bulls, but <laughs> I am. I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, trying to uh, work through my emotions of uh, yeah. the constant uh, failure that it is being a Chicago sports fan, especially with the Bulls. You know, when you when you think. Either figure things out, or not figure things out, but maybe their arrows going to be pointing up. Like not even that long ago, yeah, not even that long ago. Like if you like a little over a year ago, you know things were not looking so bad, and then now a year later, and we're pretty much back to where we were when we wanted to get rid of our pets and. It's, it's just frustrating and there's so much you know it's, it's funny like there's everything about this organization that is mediocre at best right like mm. the ownership sucks they're not mediocre they just they just suck yeah uh and the front office seems mediocre the coach is mediocre um the roster is mediocre yeah and i i, I always hate doing this but i always have to point out that you are a fan of two Jerry Reinsdorf teams, so I feel for your pain even more. Man, I don't know what's wrong with me, man. And I'll say, I'll say this: like I, I like, like I like the White Sox, but I don't get that invested in the White Sox. Yeah, it's I, I'm I can easily tune out the White Sox. I just yeah. I, I I didn't root for them as long as the Bulls. It's hard for me to tune out the Bulls. Like I can't, I can't give them up. They're like a drug to me. Like, yeah. no matter what they do, I can't stop watching them and I can't stop paying attention to them. I can't stop thinking about them constantly. It just, it's, I don't know, like, I don't know why. It's just, it, I, like, I've been rooting for them since I, since I came to the U.S., essentially, and I knew what basketball was. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and that was, like, when I was, like, a five, six-year-old kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, like, oh, it's just annoying as hell. Yeah. It just... This is a this is a team that is elite at doing just enough to keep you around, but not a whole lot more than that. Oh, Vintage Jerry Ryan's baby. They are the best in the world at it. And we, we have a lot to get into because we are fresh off the the heels of the most active trade deadline, I think. I can remember we were just talking about this before we started recording, but yeah. 28 teams made a move in this trade deadline, in, in this cycle. Yeah, it's the easiest, the most active, and the most, like, as far as this being the most, um, like, big blockbuster trade ever, it has to be the biggest in this general because no yeah. one – has there never in the history of the NBA as a like, top five player been traded? middle of a season like this yeah it, or period like i can't remember the last time a top five player got traded in general it, it's uh. it's like the, <laughs> this was like the if there was ever a representation of what a video game trade deadline would look like i think this right. would be it where you had superstars moved you had good players move like starter level impact players moved a bunch of good role players, draft picks everywhere, a bunch of teams getting second, second round picks. Second, the yeah. five. Four, everyone yeah. was trading five second rounders for something. Yeah, a lot and of, I think yeah. it was the same second round picks. I mean, 
thrown around. Like yeah. teams were getting second rounders from one team and then using those second rounders to another team. It was just kind of like like you know, passing around like the same the, the same uh, gift yeah. or regifting second rounders to get like a different guy or essentially. Yeah, uh, it was funny. This is the, the goddamn Lakers actually made a marvelous trade for them. Like they the made, they legit got better. They oh, legit yeah. got better. The Lakers woke up. Rob Palinka suddenly turned into a competent general manager, and he found a way to get some guys that freshen up the actually, Lakers team. Both LA teams, like like yeah. Clippers, somehow traded second rounders to get their guys, but then ended up getting more second rounders back than. They traded to get those two guys. It was like bizarre, and yeah. it just shows you like they essentially gave up nothing to get their guys. And good GMing can do that. Yeah, huh? I I don't know what type of wizardry was in LA for the deadline, but yeah. hey, they they made moves. They they freshened up their team, and I, I think a lot of people feel good about the moves they made so yeah we got a lot to get into with the with the trade deadline with all the reaction to it. Uh, AK's comments afterwards, I, I know fans were <laughs> not pleased. And then in, I, I really feel like this was the most storybook way to end that day because after no moves were made, the Bulls went out and lost to a Brooklyn Nets team <laughs> that <laughs> just, just made all these trades is, is playing a bunch. I, I think this was the most. It's it's a close one with the Minnesota loss, but I think this was the most Bulls loss of the season, and it it it, it was really surreal. Uh, but yeah, we're good. We're I good. predicted like I mean not predicted, but I kind of joked that like oh the, well they're not a contender anymore, so the Bulls are gonna uh, this yeah. is gonna be a tough game for them. <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna win the game now. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're gonna get into that. We're gonna look at all the teams that improved in the East. We're going to talk about how we feel about this team the rest of the season. Uh, and we also have uh, some rumors to get into about Russell Westbrook coming to the Bulls because if you are going to light a house on fire, you got to bring the flamethrower to do it. So joining us to break down the trade deadline, he is the GOAT. <laughs> Salim always calls him the GOAT. A lot of people call him the GOAT, but he covers the Chicago Bulls for CH Go. One of our favorite guests, Will Gottlieb. Will, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be back and uh, talk about this super active trade deadline. Oh, man. Yeah. Excited to have you on, Will. I'm glad I'm glad Ed introduced you the correct way because I was going to be like, I hope he, hope he <laughs> does it because the correct way is to call you the GOAT because that's just who you are. Yeah, so we, we have to make sure we. Sometimes you have zero control over what people call you. I'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not LeBron, right? You're not trying to say yes. I'm the greatest ever. I'm not. I'm not tattooed the chosen one on my back. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh my god! It just you know, with your last name, it just works so well. It, it, just so easy. <laughs> I, I dig it. I, I like the brand. I like the brand. <laughs> Especially, we, we don't have the graphics though, like yeah. like CHGO does, the, where they put up the little goat uh, <laughs> with your with your head on it. Yeah, they they've really leaned into it. It's you know, it is what it is. It's funny. I like it. I like it. It's all oh, fun. Man. Well, let, let, let's get into it. As as we were talking about the most active trade deadline that we can really remember in the NBA, teams making moves left and right, regardless of where they were at in their in in this nba season so we saw teams in rebuilds making moves we saw teams trying to compete making moves we saw contenders making moves it was everything superstars role players starters you name it and uh, on the last uh bulls gold when we talked to big dave and c-dub they both predicted i believe that we would not make any moves and i i think there was a reasonable logic behind that because of just the general like mediocrity mediocrity that we were at this season but i i think a lot of that kind of goes out the door when you consider the circumstances of this season and you see every other team in the league outside of cleveland who they're really good so they have a reason to not make trades making moves so the bulls stand pat and they bring back the same team and again a storybook 
lost to the Brooklyn Nets the same night, which basically represents all of the issues that this team has had this season. So, Will, let's start with you. What is your reaction to this team not being able to get any deals done? Do you think they are justified in it? Or do you think that there were opportunities for them to get something done, whether it would be as a buyer or a seller? So it's a really complex question, and I think there are a couple of different answers. But I'll start with the uh, I'll put my contrarian hat on and say, um, you know, whether or not you think they should have made a move, whether or not, you know, they should have addressed the obvious flaws with the team, um, whether you think they should have blown it up or and gone south or doubled down and added talent. Um. I think it's better to have basically not lost a trade than to make one just for the sake of making one. I think you said it and and I felt the same way that they weren't going to make a move. That was my prediction that the roster would be roughly the same. Maybe, maybe, maybe a fringe player on the end of the bench. Um, We'll see what happens in the buyout market. But I think the idea of doubling down at this point is a little bit unjustified. And so in a sense, I'm kind of, uh, glad or relieved that they didn't do that. But at the same time, I think if you do want to go to the other, other direction, and I I think there's a pretty strong argument to be made that they should, um, they are, and and Arthur said it, like they were one of the few sellers or they could have been one of the few sellers. And personally, I think it's always best to operate from a position of power to, um, extract value wherever you can. And in a market where everybody wants to get better and very few teams, I mean, like we were talking about the Raptors as being like the big seller, they were buyers. So there weren't a lot of teams out there that were just, you know, fire sale. And I think the bulls had a real opportunity to do that and sort of kickstart what we may end up seeing this summer. Um, But I think at the end of the day, if, if that's going to be the case, if they are going to make some major changes this summer, I'm glad that they didn't invest more draft capital or uh, flip, you know, some of the young players that they might end up wanting to keep around just to try to make the ninth seed instead of the 10th seed. Yeah. I, that's what I, I mean, last week when we had uh, big Dave, uh, your co, your, one of your co uh, podcasters at CCGO, yeah, see Dub on to uh, what they do well together. And I was like, you know, the only thing I'd be pissed off about, really, like really pissed off about, other than them just standing pat, is that they traded away young guys for marginal upgrades. Like, even like that rumor about uh, uh, Jay Crowder, like if they flipped Kobe White for him, I would be very annoyed. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad that they didn't do something like that, like dumb in that regards. But it's just like when you're sitting there looking at this roster and trying to uh, say that mediocrity is not, you know, acceptable. It's like, well, that's <laughs> what exactly this roster is. And you're talking about the, evolu- uh, the evaluation process. Like, you've been evaluating this team for over a year now. Like, we, we know who they are. Like, you, you had the opportunity last trade deadlines to improve on the mediocrity or, like, the issues that this roster had especially in regards to shooting uh, the flaws of the roster. You didn't address it then. You went into the offseason. You said that your offseason priority was getting rim protection and then shooting. You did neither of those again. Um, And then, again, going into this trade deadline, you didn't do that either again. So it's just like – it's like – what what you're you're saying one thing and and doing a, a complete opposite of what you actually want to do it it doesn't make any sense to me. Hundred percent agree with that, um, and I think all of, all of what I said before uh, comes with the caveat that like they do make changes this summer because what we did not hear from Arturis during his press conference was we believe in you know, this group as far as like continuity is concerned, uh, which was basically the message that we heard at the start of the year during media day. And so for, for me, the takeaway was, you know, we took a lot of calls. 
Um, we still wanted to be buyers and, you know, we, we didn't really learn why that was the case, but my assumption there is that because they don't own their pick, they didn't feel comfortable selling, which is fine. I mean, I, I'm not sure I agree with that, but that's, that's a fine justification. Um, but you know, we had some, we had some calls for some of our good players and we feel like those deals will be available to us again in the summer. And so for me, um, my, my guess is that, or I guess what I said earlier is the caveat that, you know, they do make some changes this summer, because I think at this point, you know, Arturo said, we've got 28 more games to evaluate. There's, you don't need to evaluate this group anymore. We've seen the same basketball from last all-star break and Billy Donovan said it, you know, last Monday of, you know, Arturo is going to take the the larger picture approach here and evaluate from last all-star break. I mean, that's, that's a full 82 games worth of data that you can go off. And so I don't think any, anybody in, in the NBA or NBA circles like need more time than that. That's why you saw 28 other teams make deals. Um, but I think the main thing for me was like, they had deals available to them for probably their four most important players, Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic. And they feel like those deals will be available to them in the summer. And so if we go into next season with this same roster, um, I think that that becomes like a pretty big question mark as far as like, what are we doing here? What's the future of this team? What's the trajectory? Because the other message was we expect to be in the playoffs and we will not settle for mediocrity. And so, you know, if they make the play in, but don't make the playoffs or they get swept in the first round or um, they miss the play in, they've, they've failed their stated goal, their stated expectation. And so if you, if you do go into next season with the same group, I think that's when things start to get really fishy because at the end of the day, you can get a huge package for a guy like Kevin Durant of four draft picks and a swap and, you know, two super valuable players, but not every team is making those kinds of moves during the middle of the season. A lot of teams are more willing to part with assets during the summer and maybe he feels like those deals could get even bigger around the draft or free agency, which there's potential for that to be true. There's also potential for that to be um, really risky and that those deals won't be available. And so um, I, I think it's a tricky decision to pick a direction when you're in the middle during the regular season. But if we if we see something that indicates you know, this team is going to go one direction or the other. Cause you, you do have to go one direction or the other. You can't be in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll probably, we'll, we'll probably see that this summer. Let me, let's just yeah. handle that though. Well, like, let me, and can I just really quick yeah. on, 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 because you talked about, uh, Will, uh, about moving guys in the summer. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining the, the Zach Levine talks will happen again with the Knicks on maybe draft day. But the the one guy I feel like you had to move is Vuk right now because he's going into free agency. Um, and if you extend him in the offseason, then you can't trade him until, what, like January or December, I think. Um, so what, what shouldn't they – do you think an extension be worked on, like, right now and in, in the next couple of – like, next month or so? Um, and can it be worked out with them? I, I mean, I know they can, but, like, What's their what's their thought process with Vooch at this point? Because if if like if we're thinking, yeah, they're gonna start rebuilding here, like he's the one that is the most likely you're gonna lose for nothing if you don't extend him or have him like unless it's like a sign and trade somewhere, which is like a possibility. But he's still uh, he's Vooch still holds the leverage on that because it's not like he doesn't have to do a sign and trade for the Bulls because it's not like he a restricted free agent. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Luch as far as them, maybe them extending him right now so that they can trade him in the offseason? Well, the first thing I'll say is that just because he's not restricted doesn't mean you can't pull off a sign of trade. I think teams that are operating oh, sure. over the cap, you know, they, they're able to, or there might be incentive for them to make a move for Vooch uh, while sending something back to the Bulls to to remain an over the cap team. So there's possibility there. Uh, Arthur said in the post game and Vush followed up with a similar sentiment that they both want to, uh, you know, have, they both want to be in Chicago. 
Um, Arturus said he would like to bring Vooch back, Vooch back and that he's playing at a super high level, which is true. Um, and Vooch said in an article with Casey Johnson that he would like to be back as well. My gut, um, and I don't know this for sure, my gut was heading into the season, the Bulls wanted to retain some flexibility with their upcoming summer um, and their free agency and then also at the trade deadline to make moves if they ended up being not as good as they wanted to be. Um, I don't think they are as good as they wanted to be, but they're also not so bad that they felt like they needed to go the other direction. I think that not tr- not extending Vooch prior to the deadline signals that they wanted to like, you know, have some flexibility and potentially move him um, if they weren't as good as they, they hoped or, or didn't see the potential for them to get to that place. I would expect an extension to get done pretty soon here just because at this point he hasn't been traded. And to your point, they can't lose him for nothing. I mean, that just, that's just not an option. And so they will either look to extend him and continue on this path with this team or hopefully get him to a team friendly deal that allows him to be moved down the line. Um, I, I just don't see how you could let him walk for nothing. So it's definitely a big question mark. And I think from, you know, a cap standpoint, um, Mark has been writing about this a lot on Twitter and then also at our website, um, just about the complications that are going to take place this summer as far as bringing back Kobe, Io, Javante, and Vooch. And I think Vooch is going to have to be priority number one uh, pretty clearly because, like I said, they can't lose him for nothing. But also, you know, we I think you mentioned this either before we started recording or just after that Jakob Pertl went for a first round pick. And so there is still potentially some value to be had if they extend him and are able to move him afterwards. So I definitely think he'll be back in some capacity. Uh, my my gut instinct tells me that it'll be done before the end of the season, probably even sooner. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm trying to get a I'm trying to get like a feel for what this team actually wants to do, because while I agree that bringing Vooch back it, since you did not trade him is probably important, it's probably the right move. It seems to contradict some of these rumors that we've heard that we kind of heard, like approaching the trade, the trade deadline, like one of the ones that kind of went viral the most is the rumor that I believe Joe Cowley uh, reported about the Knicks interest in acquiring Zach Levine. And a lot of people had like some theories that maybe it would just be a deal with like picks and like Emmanuel quickly and like Quentin Grimes and, and pieces like that. A deal like that would seem to indicate to me a rebuild. Like I, I don't, I don't think you really do a deal like that. If you're trying to re-sign Vooch, I, I, I just don't really know how those like coexist together. And then I, I, I think the other part for me is, Whatever direction the Bulls are going in right now, it it seems really risky to me to to want to trade Zach Levine. I'm not saying he's untouchable, but like he's 27 years old. He's been playing pretty well offensively after kind of getting, you know, getting the the knee issue behind him. And I, I think he still fits a window that if you really wanted to retool and compete in the next few years, he wouldn't be old and he's still under contract for a long time. So like, what did you think about those rumors involving Zach? And do you think it is a good idea to move him in the off season? If you can get something like, I don't know, like a similar structure as that Knicks deal where it's like you get a few young players and you get some draft picks. Is that something that makes sense to you? Um, It's a tricky question because I do think you're right that if you trade any of those four guys, you are kind of tearing it down to a certain extent, unless you're somehow upgrading, which I don't really see how that path works out. And so um, I think, again, you you just have to operate from a position of power and get as much value as you can. And maybe that's the reason why they didn't make that trade because they felt like they could generate a bidding war this upcoming summer. Who knows whether that's the case, but I also think, you know, there's probably a world where even if they did move Zach Levine right now, you know, just based on the fact that like there are probably only 10 or 11 teams trying to make the playoffs in the play in that they could still get there. Um, obviously the ceiling wouldn't be as high. Obviously, you know, they just wouldn't have as much talent, 
but it does kind of split the difference as far as being relatively competitive while also adding some young players and draft picks that sort of set you up better down the line. Um, not to say Zach Levine's not a great player. He is not to say his skill set isn't super valuable. Obviously, tremendous talent, um, incredible scorer and shooter. But obviously, something is not clicking right now with this team in general. And I don't know if it's something with Zach or his role or what. Um, but the fact that he was in rumors, I, I don't think it really surprises me because I think everything should be on the table. Um, and so maybe they just wanted the flexibility to to make a decision about which direction to go in the summer. I do think if you're going to trade one of those guys, you may as well just yeah. trade them all because it's just a little bit weird, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they think they can do something that makes them even more competitive this summer around DeMar and Vooch and Caruso. Um, I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait and see there, but I do wonder you know, how much of a, a step back they would take in the standings. Obviously, again, the talent would be much lower, but I think if the goal is to make the play-in and there's only 10 teams trying to make the playoffs in the play-in, you know, they could still be good enough to get in if, if they brought in some sort of replacement who's, you know, 60% of what Zach Levine is, but then also set themselves up it's, well. It's so disappointing, though, because we're thinking back to last season and – or really even the last couple of seasons. And Zach Levine, to me, proved himself worthy of getting the contract that he did. Now, we can no talk, like, we can no talk all we want about what he's done this season and some of the struggles that have come with it. But like when, when I was looking at some of these rumors on um, Wednesday and Thursday and about moving Zach Levine, all I could think about is just how disappointing it is because – one, this is the first player in your team's history that signed a, a $100 million contract, which is kind of crazy to think about. But he he earned it. He got a really good deal. He's an all-star player in his prime, and they're trying to move on from him a half season later or potentially even a year later, and he's still playing at a really good level. So it's just, to me, all I could think about is disappointment in what this team is doing like I don't I I don't know what this team is trying to do if they're moving a player like him for prospects and picks because if we're trying to go back into another rebuild and I get rebuilds are gonna happen but it's just like we're I don't know it just feels like we're going like seesawing between things and not really actually getting anywhere and it's just I don't know it's frustrating I I can't find the words to express it but it it just doesn't feel right like it doesn't feel like a move that a team like the Bulls should be making like it feels really small time to me yeah but at the same time I mean what they have right now isn't working and so I think you have to be you have to be flexible in trying to figure out solutions um I I'm not saying I disagree with you at in the sense that like Zach Levine is a great player and he has earned the contract that he's gotten. Uh, But part of the reason why you give him that contract is because teams are going to be interested in it. And so if you do want to go a different direction, you still have the ability and flexibility to be able to do that. Um, I think going back into a rebuild would obviously be a tough pill to swallow from a fan perspective because you've just watched like four or five bad years of basketball But at the end of the day, like you're kind of in this position now where you're watching bad basketball. Uh, You're in a same you're in the same position standing wise where you're just scraping and clawing to get the eighth seed. And you also don't have any picks that can help you uh, add talent in the future. And so I think they are kind of just in this really tough spot where they just have they have to have flexibility in the way that they're building this team moving forward. Otherwise, you're just going to end up exactly where you are, if not worse, because you've got, you know, these older 33 and 34 year old stars that you're building around. And so um, if you can get a haul back for Zach and who knows what that will be, but like, it seems like the the price for these star players continues to inflate. Um, like I said, maybe you, you keep Vooch and Caruso and Damar around and you can get to approximately the level that you're at now, but you can start to develop a system of talent that you can sort of infuse to this roster. And that I think was the the big thing for me that I just didn't quite understand about this off season or this uh, trade deadline, excuse me, is that there just was such a clear 
need in terms of like what this team lacks shooting being the big one. Uh, but also just like, it felt like they needed more talent. It felt like they needed an infusion of new blood to freshen up the roster, the locker room, whatever it is. Like they just, they needed something new. And I think a lot of other teams felt that way too. Um, so I think in a certain sense, it's operating out of a sense of, you know, not wanting to overpay or, you know, make the worst trade that comes out of already having, you know, a bad trade. I think that that's like the worst possible outcome. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, retaining the flexibility to be able to act when you really have a clear sense of what you want to do. Now we might already know what they should do or what they, what we think they need to do, but um, they feel like they need more time. Yeah, I think also that my opinion on Zach hasn't really changed like who he is. Like he's an he's an elite scorer. He's a he's a like elite shooter as far as like shot making goes. Um, but what 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 we were hoping to see is the decision making improve. Like we thought, you know, if, if he plays with a guy like Demar, he can maybe learn from him and that'll improve. And at this point, I'm just not sure. And, and late and especially in late game decision making, not necessarily throughout the game, especially it just particularly in a late game. Because that's when you see everything just fall apart for him still at this point. The bad turnovers, the four shots and things like that, that ends up being just, you know, terrible decisions on his part. So when I look at a team that you're building with Zach, it's like, okay, now, well, we need to make sure we have two guys in front of him as far as these ball handlers that can initiate the offense because we cannot have Zach be that guy. And then it becomes even tougher to be like, how are we going to build around that? Because we don't have the assets to go get those guys at this point. So it's like we can we can keep trying to build with him and and keep kind of you know half-assing the building around Zach, or we can say, you know what, let's maximize what we can do with Zach as far as the assets and the value we can get for him. Hit the reset button. Um, obviously, you know, people always talk about it, like, oh, when, well, if you're going to trade DeMar and Zach, you're not going to get an equal or better player back. And like, yeah, we know that. That's not how rebuilds work. When you're rebuilding, you're trying to just get as much, like, draft capital as possible. So then you can get – or and get a one, one or two young players so you can start developing it. And then at that point, formulate a direction and see, okay, what pieces work together – like if Pat obviously is a long-term piece, so I believe he is, but obviously everyone else has to have their own, uh, you know, configuration on that regards. But yeah, that that's the thing with Zach for me at this point. It's it's I just don't know if he'll ever be that late game, good late game decision maker, ball handler at this point. And it just kind of becomes harder to build around with him being your even your second best player when he's the, he can't do that when he can't make those decisions late in games. And I'm, and I'm not saying like, like, for example, like, like, like if he was on the box, for example, I think it would work out just fine because, and I'm, and I'm, let's say he was there instead of Middleton, for example, like you would have Giannis who make, who handles the ball a lot. And then you would have Drew holiday who handles the ball a lot. So then I think you can mitigate what Zach does and just allow him to be off ball and, and just be a scorer and a finisher. But when you have him on a team like the Bulls, and I'm maybe rambling and going on a random tangent here, but it's just tougher because you only have DeMar, and then you don't really have another person that you can give the ball to. So then it gets to Zach a lot. And and Zach is Zach is just showing that he just can't be, you know, a guy that, that can you can go to late in games like that. And I think what you're essentially trying to say is, like, you want him to be – more of a spot up shooter than a yeah. go-to scorer. And like yeah. if you're gonna if you want a spot up shooter, like go get a cheaper one who doesn't demand the ball. Well and not even require those kind of touches. Because right. you know, not not that I'm saying I think Zach like shouldn't touch the ball because he obviously he he's talented enough to do that. But my point is kind of like if you are in this position where People are really upset with the product that you put on the floor, but you have no way to get better. You have to be able to get better somehow. And if that means like taking a step back to ultimately, you know, set yourself up better for the future, 
maybe you have to start to consider that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I get I, it. Well, I, and I don't even think like a, a, just a simple step setup shooter, because I think he's good as far as an off ball scorer. Like if you, if you, if you have a more of a creative offensive game plan where you're bringing him off of like curls or screens or running some action to get him, get him looks or, you know, having him, you know, make cuts off of, off of bait, um, the baseline and things like that. I think he, he's more of a finisher, not like a guy that you give him the ball and he will break down the offense and will be able to make good decisions and late game pressure when the late game defensive pressure is on him. That I guess that's what I mean more so. And that's tougher to build around when you don't have the assets to acquire those other things to cover for his, his weaknesses. If yeah. You will. And I I get it from like I get it from a from an assets perspective and wanting to rebuild and reset because of it because this team is really just kind of like straddling in mediocrity right now. I I think for me it's just the disappointment of just having these good players like I mean even if we go back to like Jimmy Butler like having a player like Jimmy Butler and saying okay we we're not gonna give him all of his money we we probably you know, can't build this type of team that we want around him. Okay, let's trade him. Now we're getting this player in Zach Levine, who probably more flawed than Jimmy Butler, but hitting like a certain like limit in what you are. And then now we're trading him and resetting again. To me, it just feels like we're doing a lot of the same things. Like we're, we're taking a step back and then we're hitting a peak. That's not even really that high over and over again. And to me, that's just kind of like disappointing as a fan and just really frustrating. And I, I think some of it, you know, obviously is kind of a little bit on, well, not even a little bit, but it's kind of on ownership as well, because like it, it feels like with these two different front office regimes and granted, I'm not trying to absolve like AK and Eversley by any of this, but it feels like two people are trying to push a car while two other people are on the opposite end pushing back against them. So it's like, how far can you realistically go? Like, you look at what this team entered the season with, and they didn't even want to go into the luxury tax to improve the roster. So it's just like you you keep getting to a certain point, and when you can't win at that point, then you keep having to tear it down. Like, the Bulls are so capped in what they can actually do. The only time that they actually were getting somewhere is really when they just lucked into Derrick Rose and even then, when they wanted to get to a certain place with Derrick Rose, they didn't even want to do that. Like, it, it was pulling teeth to get them to pay the luxury tax or to, like, get that shooting guard to fill in the hole. So, I, I mean, I'm rambling, but it just feels like even though I, I, I get why they would want to trade Zach, it just feels like we're building at a much smaller cap than we should be. And it's really self-inflicted. Well, I don't think that the goal is like we need to sell on Zach. I think, again, it's like this idea of how do we get out of the middle? How do we get better here? And if that's the best path forward, mm. then I think they got to consider it because I think we can we can all sit here and say they need to get better. Um, we can't just be in the middle. But at the end of the day, like they don't have any avenue to do that except for to trade some of their good players. And Archer has kind of tipped that during his press conference of saying like, you know, we have, I don't remember the exact quote, but basically he said like, you know, we've got coveted players around the league. And, you know, if we need to make changes this summer based on whether or not we make the playoffs, then we'll have to consider that. And so, um, yes, I think you are kind of spinning your, your wheels in the mud, but by sort of looking at potentially trading Zach. But at this point, like what are your other options? If you do want to get out of this position, um, you can't like we've, we've played the waiting for your point guard to come back from his multiple knee surgeries game before hmm. we've played the, you know, hope you luck into lottery heaven, but it just, you, you can't really rely on that kind of stuff when you're building a team. And so, people say like trust the process there has to be a process in place to trust and and that's what i think i don't think there's a process in place for this team to to get to where they want to be like it just feels like 
any route we go is just like and so that's exactly what i'm saying it's like you need to you can't continue on this path if the process isn't working or the process we've deviated from the process Hmm. uh at a certain point you might need to find a new process i think that would be the idea behind moving zach if they ultimately do it yeah yeah it's (laughs) i I get it like i said i I get the i get it but it, it just like you said it just feels so like (laughs) <laughs> like this team just maybe can't. i mean maybe it's demar that they end up moving maybe it's uh sign and trade booch and then you try to build something else that way uh but i just think in terms of finding a way to get whether it's in three years or next year finding a way to get better out of this like you know capping out at a first round out team mm. you, you have to make some tough choices yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think for me, I'm just frustrated because it seems like anytime there's like taking that next step for the Bulls, they it, it seems like they self sabotage themselves. If you get what I'm saying, like it, I don't know. Like I think with this team and even going back to last season, it was okay. How can we we have this team that's like number one in the East or number two, whatever, and we we need another move like we need that next move to get to where we want to be and it doesn't happen and when that usually plays out and it's happened with a bunch of other teams the team usually just falls on its ass at some point and we're seeing it again with this iteration of this bulls team so like i don't know for me it's like i i get the rebuild but it's just like at some point when this team builds they're gonna have to show that they can take a, a step somehow and move forward so that these things don't happen. Like the Lonzo ball injury definitely plays a role in it, but a lot of times it just seems like this team is capping itself on what they can do. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's just really frustrating. Um, looking at the outlook of the rest of the season, Will, like, do you think this team is even likely to make the play in or are they, are, are they capable of getting to the playoffs? Like, what what do you see happening the rest of this season with this team? I mean, clearly the goal is to get into the play-in, if not the playoffs. Right now, they're four and a half games out of sixth and uh, a game out of 11th. So it is tight. Um, I think I was looking at this the other day. I'm not sure exactly uh, what the updated numbers would be, but they were projected by 538 to finish 11th. Obviously, that would be a tremendous failure, no matter how you slice it. Um, you know, I think what's interesting about the Eastern landscape, and and this was one of the things that was a bit confusing about Arturis's press availability, was basically without saying it, he said the power uh, the powers that be in the East have moved west, and that means Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have removed the Brooklyn Nets as being contenders. Well. There are 11 games over 500, not to mention that they just beat the Bulls without even having Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson in their lineup yet. Um, I don't I don't see them falling out of, at the very worst, the play-in mix just because of the, the wins that they've already banked. And so you're looking at basically the, the eight teams in front of the Bulls staying in front of the Bulls. Um, you know, your, your top four plus the Nets, Heat, Knicks, and Hawks. And then... You know, the Raptors just bought. They just went out and paid a first-round pick to get Jakob Pertl. They're not trying to miss anything now. The Wizards, uh, you know, obviously they sold on Hachimura, but they've been playing great basketball since he left. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Um, I think that that final spot or those final two spots uh, between the Bulls, Wizards, and Raptors, and even the Pacers, you could you could lump them them in there. They've been pretty bad since Halliburton, but obviously had that great win against the Bulls, great for them, um, and, and just had played at a super high level with Halliburton there. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they get in. I think they will, just because they are talented enough to do that, and unless they completely melt down, I don't see them falling out of that mix. Um, and then you get to the plan and you have to hope that like, you know, one of these really competitive games, the bulls step up and actually play to their level. And then, you know, you just, you hope that in a close game DeMar DeRozan is going to be better than, you know, whoever the Knicks have or the Hawks have or the wizards or the Raptors have. 
to try to close them out. So I think that's kind of the goal here. And I think that's probably the most likely outcome, but you know, they're closer to being out of the play in than they are to being a playoff team right now. And even if they make the playoffs, you know, you're set up to play the Bucks or the Celtics in the first round, which is, which is not something I would be looking forward to. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you look at these teams and it's, are they going to, they're not going to, you know, the Knicks got a lot better. I mean, like Josh Hartson is a is a good player, you know. It's almost like they added, like uh, not exactly like Caruso, but like you know, in the sense, a lot of things he does are Caruso. Defender, non shooter. Yeah, yeah. Um, guards up, guards up, and you know, does a lot. I think he, I think he's probably a better, a, a little better ball handler than Caruso, but like that's semantics, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and like Atlanta. They added, like, you know, the, we said the Wizards have been playing better. Obviously, Toronto lost yesterday. Um, but, I mean, they added Pirtle, who should help them, especially because they've needed a center all season. Um, you know, it's just hard to see the Bulls sticking in that play-in. And I guess it depends on on what they do in, with this buyout market. And I guess maybe we can start talking about those buyout candidates that uh, that are being rumored and linked to the Bulls, and just in general, the buyout potential, because there now seems to be a uh, it's getting more. Maybe the list is getting a little bigger now as as the trade deadline is simmered down, and we're finding out you know who and when, when, where, and the teams are in, in talks about signing out. And the biggest name right now is obviously Russell Westbrook. Um, and that rumor started, I think, I mean, I don't, like Chris Haynes, I think maybe said it vaguely, and I don't even want to know if Chris Haynes said anything. I read it on that one Twitter account, um, and I don't know if that person's just an aggregator, and I'm not, I couldn't find that exact quote anywhere from, from Chris Haynes. But we did see Woj confirm, like, not confirm, but just say that the Bulls were the front runners because essentially of Bill, Billy Donovan. Um, to sign to sign Russell Westbrook, um, and obviously amongst Bulls Twitter, uh, there was a lot of discourse about Russell Westbrook. Obviously, a lot of people are against it. There's a lot of people that are like for it, and then there's the, that in-between people is like are like screw it. What 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 else could uh, they do? What you know, at this point might might as well. Uh, so what what are your uh, Thoughts on Russell Westbrook, and I do want to say it's a little more nuanced than just like just looking at the negatives of Russell Westbrook because I think there are some positives that he does bring that could could help the Bulls, but I, I do think the negatives probably outweigh the not probably that thing the negatives do outweigh the positives. Um, like I'll just say the the positives I think are he can help push the pace. Uh, that's something that they just rarely ever do off of, especially off of rebounds. They seem to, like, all the time trot the ball up the floor. Um, he will help rebound. Um, he obviously has a good familiarity what Billy Donovan does, like, offensively, so that's not going to be an issue as far as what he wants to do there. Um, and then also there's a lot of this lackluster with the Bulls where they just seem very low energy, and at least he'll provide energy. Now the other there's a lot of negatives as well. So, well, I just what are your thoughts on Westbrook? Just because like, I think I feel like you've been a little more nuanced than just the, with with talking about Westbrook than just saying like no or yes or whatever. Yeah, I do think it's pretty nuanced. I, I will say the first thing that comes to my mind is just how out of control the hate has gotten for Russ, and I think. You know, some of that's on him, the way he plays, the way he, uh, the decisions that he makes at times. And just like the fact that he's been unwilling to adjust his, um, his role and the way that he plays with his, I mean, he's aging, right? He's just not as good as he used to be. He's 34. So I think that's part of it. I think the bigger issue though, is the contract that he got. And I think that's just an unfortunate, um, truth about these super max contracts that players are getting now where, you know, they're signing these deals at age 29 and basically it's like this incentive for the hometown team to be able to retain their guys. But what happens is that they just become 
it becomes impossible to feel the team around them. And so you have to move them and they just become a villain or they become vilified with whatever team they go to because it's just so difficult to build a team around somebody who's making $50 million a year. So I, I understand um, why, you know, Lakers fans or Wizards or Rockets or Thunder fans might be frustrated with the guy. Um, and I, I understand that's in, uh, that's logic that you could use to be a little bit scared of this Zach Levine contract. Right. And so I, I agree with a lot of what you said in terms of on the floor stuff though. Like he, um, I think he helps them in certain ways. They were at their best last year when they were getting out in transition. I think they're at their best this year when they're getting out in transition, they just don't really do it. Um, I think that they need a, sort of a injection of athleticism into their lineup. They need somebody who can put pressure on the rim. They really don't attack the rim very much at all. Um, they need an additional passer, a ball mover. And like, you can say what you want about Russ's decision-making and the way that he affects the game in the half court, but like he's a good passer and he, he yeah. creates plays and they, they really need that. Um, on the other hand, he is not a good defensive player anymore. He is not a good shooter, uh, both from the field and three. So he doesn't really help you there, but I think there's a way you can utilize him that actually really helps the Bulls. I definitely see the drawbacks to it, but I kind of alluded to this earlier. Like the Bulls just kind of need an infusion of talent. They need a, a fresh body in the locker room. I mean, it's been the same group since last year when the when the year started, um, minus Lonzo. And so I think it would just be nice, whether it's him or one of these other buyout guys. Uh, Terrence Ross just got bought out by the Magic. Um, Danny Green is a rumored buyout. John Wall, Reggie Jackson, I think, has been linked to um, one team or another already, but he's a buyout guy. So there's going to be some talent, and I think the Bulls will will sort of check the landscape, and I think they will make a move. Um, basically, you've got Marco and Tony Bradley just like taking up roster spots at the end of the bench that they could be using in other ways. And um, if they're able to wake one of those guys – then they should be able to offer a vet minimum for one of these buyout guys. And I think just any additional skill, talent, um, whether it's shooting or room pressure, I mean, I, I think any of those things could really help them. Hopefully they get, not, not to get away from the buyout guy talks, but like hopefully they just cut Marco because at least Tony Bradley can be utilized for something. Marco just doesn't do anything that he can be utilized. Just get rid of him. Be yeah, it is. The issue, though, is that he's guaranteed through next year, whereas Tony Bradley is uh, oh, okay. going to practice up. Oh, that's fair. That's so crazy that they gave a, f- a second-round pick a four-year guaranteed. So here, <laughs> so here's my um, – well, I'm I'm not on the Westbrook uh, train, but, like, for me, I, I, I take stock into what's happening because – the the connection with Billy Donovan is obviously there, and like Casey Johnson's also been like doing some follow up reports on it. So like the smoke is kind of out of the house at this point. So I I think it's going to happen, but I'm not really with it. And I I think if they're looking for someone who he there's not really players that I think would bring that same type of energy or talent that Westbrook has, but. I think there's players that potentially could fit the team a little bit better. Like, like a Reggie Jackson, I think would be a little bit more interesting to me. If Charlotte buys him out, like, I think that would be fine. Like he can actually shoot the ball. Like, I think that would be okay. Um, but Westbrook is far overall though. Like, I don't know. Like he just, he, he just hasn't seemed to work. Like, even if we, the price wouldn't be an issue here, obviously, but it just doesn't seem like he's been able to work out basketball wise really in multiple stops since being traded. So I I, I don't know. Like I, I have doubts that that would even change here, especially given everything that the Bulls themselves have gone through this season. So I don't know. It just seems like I, I get the idea, but it just seems like the wrong player to add to this mix. Yeah, I don't necessarily think he's like the number one. He should be the number one option mm. um but like i said i mean they just they need to do something yeah and i yeah. think they were kind of 
the by not doing anything at the trade deadline, you have to assume that they probably thought that they could get someone on the buyout market because you can't really go into the second half of the season just doing nothing. And so uh, in some form or another, I think they will be um, after uh, probably one of these point guards. There have been sort of rumors about John Wall leading up to the deadline. Maybe he's the guy. But again, he's he's not the shooter that uh, Reggie Jackson would be. And he really hasn't looked that great since coming back. So it's it's a tricky situation, but um, I think beggars can't be choosers. And if they're going to be beggars, both in the form of not wanting to spend money and also just needing whatever talent they can get, then they're going to need to is he, settle for whatever talent they can get. Is he start? Is he coming off the bench if he gets here? You think so? Russell? Like, yeah. Is that continuing like? He was in LA, or do you think he started? No, I think they started him. I think they started him because okay. that's that's the reason why he would sign here, is because this is probably the only place where he can get a secure starting role. Um, and there have been arguments that, like, well, you need to reserve minutes for IO and stuff like that. But like, if you want to make the playoffs, you want to make the play-in, you got to put the best talent out there. And I think IO is a nice player. I think he operates best off the bench and. You know, maybe you're not playing Russ and Demar together for 36 minutes, but um, just to have another guy who can generate some sort of offense. I mean, the Bulls are like in the 20s in offense. Like you got to put pressure on the rim. You got to spray it out. And I, I think he does that for you probably more than John Wall or Eddie Jackson. But if you're looking for someone to sort of complement those guys that you already have, then you know, a Terrence Ross or a Danny Green or a Reggie Jackson probably makes more sense. Yeah, Terrence Ross just got bought out. I mean, I don't think the Bulls would be a long shot. He probably wants to go to, like, a, a team that's contending for a championship, and I guess probably Phoenix comes to mind for that. But uh, I like, like, Will Barton. I mean, he's been really bad defensively this year, but the yeah. Bulls he's shooting can't worse than Russ is. is he? Yeah. I thought he was shooting well. Like. Maybe I looked at the wrong numbers. I thought his, his shot was so decent. Because I, I remember him being a decent shooter. So, um, And then I looked at his numbers, where they were at, and I may have looked at the wrong one. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong as well. Like a, oh, like no, a, he's shooting 38%. Yeah, he's shooting like an above, like a slightly above average shooter. Like, 30. like he's, shooting, he's taking three threes a game, and he's shooting 38%. Last season, he shot six a game at 36%. Yeah. I mean, he's... He's been a consistent shooter the last four years, four or five years, or four years, I should say. He's shooting, I mean, sorry, it was from the field. He's shooting 38% from the yeah, field. Yeah, from the so field. He's 40, 42. Yeah, from the field. I mean, if he can, all, all we would need him to do is shoot threes. And, and there is a connection there, too, with, like. With, with our church, yeah, with yeah. the Denver days. I mean, like I said, he's not, again, he's he, he's not having a necessarily a good season either. Um, and he's probably, his, he's probably on. On the, not probably, probably, he is on a decline. But like, as far as needs and things, it easily covers that need of shooting. Um, so he would make more sense than someone like Westbrook too. And then you're not at that point. You're not taking out certain guards out of the rotation. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's so to tough. that point. To that point, my argument is like. Why are you worried about like the rotation? They just like they're not good. They need to add right, talent right. somewhere. No, you're you're right. I mean, like I said, I'm not. I'm I'm I I'm I lean more towards not wanting Westbrook. But like I said, I, I it's it is more nuanced. It's not just so simple. Like no, this is a terrible idea, and it'll, for sure it'll end horribly. Um, it's not that. I think it's just like it's just like the, the it's just like the Bulls are. You know, like the. In a, in a tough spot of their own creation. That's essentially where it's at. And and because of that tough spot of their own creation, they're forced to make decisions like this. Yeah, where exactly. I, I get why it's come, <laughs> I get why it's come to this point. I just I, I don't know. I I'm thinking of a lineup with Westbrook, Zach, DeRozan, Pat, and Woosh in it. And I just I, I don't see it. Like I I mean I know there are some good things he does. I just I don't see it. I, I, it's hard for me to envision this like panning out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Patrick Beverly is another guy, but again, that's just like the options are limited. They're not going to be 
Yeah, there's no perfect only, solution. Yeah. There, there's not going to – like other teams are going to be in these bidding wars as well. So yeah. I think a lot of it just comes down to like who is available to them um, and what they feel like they need the most. But I guess mostly just to not play devil's advocate, but just to sort of make the point of – make the argument for us. I mean, I, I do think it's more complex to, to Slim's point yeah. than just it's Russ. Like, no. Because I, I think if he's making a veteran minimum and you're asking him to basically run the offense in minutes that DeMar is not on the court, I think that like pretty clearly helps you. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's an improvement, but I just think like if they're playing together, then that's kind of when I'm, yeah, yeah I'm not, <laughs> that's kind of what yeah. I'm not. <laughs> well, the other thing becomes too, like you said, the playing together. It's, yeah. At that point, you're just saying, like screw any development time for Pat as well. <laughs> like yeah. he's not gonna get any opportunities to do anything other than poor Pat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just I don't know the whole that whole side of it is frustrating. Yeah, just because but again, it seems like the goal here is to make the playoffs. No, that for is sure, like the primary thing. And so, like at a certain point, you can't have it both ways. If you want to make the playoffs, then you got to do what's best to win today. And if you want to develop your young guys, then you should probably have traded you know, Zach and DeMar so that you can get more minutes and a lot of to play through his mistakes. So I just think uh, if you're going to lean into winning, like whether it's Russ or John Wall or whoever, like they, they do have to get some talent in there. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. That's just, like I said, I just, the Pat stuff is my own frustration. It's, uh, it's the, like the Chronicles of project Pat, man. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's tough. Like, especially on offense, when you're asking, there's little movement, on offense and a lot of the criticism becomes, well, you should do this. You should do that. And it's like, well, sometimes it's, it's not that simple when you're just have a, most of your offense is isolation and, and DHOs. Mm. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a tough conversation and it is what it is. Like I said, a lot of the, a lot of these issues that we're discussing are just because the bulls decided to consistently the last three opportunities that they had to improve this team not do anything yeah it's it's come to this so um i i guess we just hope for the best here with russell westbrook and or whoever they add to this team and maybe it's the the jolt that this team really needs to i'll, I'll say another positive thing about russ is I, for it seems like i was kind of looking i didn't do the exact numbers but he seems to play better after the all-star break i don't know what it is like mm. The last like three four years, I feel like he's been better after the All Star break. I don't know why, and I'll have to look at the numbers again, the exact numbers. But at least the raw numbers seem like he plays better. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's it's like it's like, it's like that uh, uh, March April Ross or something like that. I don't know. He, I mean, he senses the moment. Like he's a he's a really intense player, very competitive. So I, I, those intangibles, I mean, definitely would help. So. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I will, oh, good. Yeah. No, I, say, I will enjoy if he's on the team. He's just yelling at the crowd, hyping himself up. <laughs> yeah, hey, the crowd would love that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's extremely marketable. I, I get it. It's extremely marketable. They're trying to make the playoffs. It's, it is interesting. So people will watch to see what happens. And I mean, it, and the chance that it does pan out, I mean, hey, I mean, could be very beneficial so we'll we'll see what happens on the uh bio market with westbrook or if it's if it's someone else but um will thank you so much for joining us for this episode let our listeners know what you're what you're working on right now of course i think they know where they can find you at but let our listeners know what you're working on right now and again thank you for uh, joining us for this episode yeah my pleasure guys um i just wrote something about uh, sort of the reasons that Arturis used to justify not making any moves and why I'm not really buying any of those. Uh, you can check that out on my Twitter or at our website, allchgo.com. Um, I might write something about the argument for signing Russ now. I feel like that's an interesting debate. So maybe that'll be my next project, but um, we'll have a, a game against, I think, the Cavs tonight. And I'll have my breakdown of that afterwards and yeah i think that's it all right so, so I mean, ed and i ed and i are motivated to go 
giving yeah, we, him new ideas. Yeah, we got to get like a writing. Credit. <laughs> we got to get like a writing credit for that or something, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah, we, we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Salim, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up, man? No. Yeah. You thanks to Will. You know, it's been a while since we had him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's it's been awesome to see him being able to do his dream job. Yeah, thrive. I met. I, I met. We. I finally met Will. Actually, me when when me and Larry Golden, Larry Golden went to the Bulls game earlier this year. Uh, we were able to meet him, so that was pretty cool. Um, so nice to finally have a face to face meet up with with someone that you've kind of you know mm. communicated with so much online uh, in a sense. Um, but yeah, you know we'll we'll see what happens at, with this Westbrook stuff. Like, obviously they're saying well, the only credible source we're seeing is from Woj. Like, I don't even know if Chris Haynes has said anything really, uh, but the most credible one is Woj who said he, he, he is a front runner and he's supposed to make a decision yeah, so pretty soon. I think they said this weekend, but it's already Saturday. So I don't know if he'll make, wait till like early next week to make any sort of decision on where he wants to go. Yeah. Um, so we'll find out fairly soon here. Um, and then the Bulls play the Cavs today. So I don't know what, what team we'll get. Obviously, the Cavs are good, so we'll probably get the best effort, best focused out of them. Um, the other thing, you know, I'm thinking about, like, let's say, let's say, like, if, if Russ goes somewhere else and they end up not being able to sign anyone, there's no infusion of talent. I, I wonder at some point the the – if, if they keep losing these random games, like is the is the are the bearings going to completely fall apart and they're just going to start completely tuning out Billy and you know there's that report about how Zach doesn't like Billy or something or another, but the rest of the locker room is with Billy. I don't know. I just, like I like it. like well, that's one thing I'm worried about. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that yeah. point where the wheels completely fall off. I mean, we've seen reports throughout the season of some like locker room tension and things like that. So, I mean, it, it's it's obviously the, there is something there, but hopefully it does not get even worse. But yeah, we're we're hoping for the best from from whatever is left to come from this season. But uh, that wraps up today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can catch our past episodes right here on the Barroom Network on Spotify on apple wherever you get your podcast thank you for will gottlieb for joining us today for salim sudor i'm edward shula this has been bulls gold and we will catch you next time bulls fans.